What is up, everybody? Welcome to Did That Age Well. It's the podcast where my guests and I recap and review the movies that were popular when we were young, and we talk about how they hold up today. I am your host, Molly Smith, and today I am joined by my friend Carson, who is very funny on Twitter, an actual lawyer. Um, He's only got a couple years left to be eligible for Forbes 30 under 30, but he'll get there. Carson, welcome to the pod. Well, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I think you very much oversold my Twitter account, but I'll leave it at that. Um, I also feel like having me on is sort of going to not bear well for your podcast as the former host of a now defunct podcast of my own uh, called Straight to VHS. Uh, It's just, it it, does not, it's not good vibes for you. So if at any point you just want to like cut this and like bring in Mm -hmm. a new host halfway through, you can just cut all of this and make those decisions and post. Uh, But you know, there you go. You're seeing already what sort of uh, an an obnoxious guest I'm going to be. (laughs) Um, Not only getting my plug in in the first 30 seconds, but plugging a podcast that no longer exists. So there you have it. I love going back through the archives of podcasts that are no longer on the air. It's similar to going back and watching a show that was only popular for a season. And some of those are cult classics, you know, like Freaks and Geeks. People love that show. And it was on for like five seconds and then it wasn't anymore. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's the future of your podcast. But I will say that if you do curse my podcast with your presence here, that I will find some witchy friends of mine to put a hex on you and we'll Mm -hmm. even this all out in a supernatural way. I think what will probably end up happening is I'll never make Forbes 30 under 30. But uh, (laughs) since I was headed that way anyways, uh, I think I'll take it. Um, The other thing is too, you know, my podcast, I'm not sure that it was really much like, uh, what did you say? Um, freaks and geeks you know we're more maybe at best like twin peaks you know where people thought it was crap at the time and like hopefully you know in 30 years it maybe Mm -hmm. has a rebirth but again also unlikely so we'll see well maybe we'll have your podcast on did that age well in about 10 years we can talk about how it (laughs) aged (laughs) there you go there you go poorly i can tell you now oh my god so why carson why are you not doing a podcast anymore I don't know. You know, we had a good run. I did it with uh, two of my uh, best friends, Chris and Kyle, just sort of breaking down the latest movies that hit streaming sites uh, as they came out. And uh, I don't know, they started doing another podcast. I got kind of busy and just sort of uh, stopped planning. There's not much more of a story to it, but we had a lot of fun. No fallout with those guys that I know of. Maybe maybe they're all conspiring behind I'll my back. I'll ask them. We'll fact yeah, check that with them. I'll, I'll give you their Twitter handles. You can reach out and get the full inside deets, um, yes. which will be important for your retrospective on Did It Age Well. Thank you. I think that sounds great. Thank you for the context. And I was so excited to hear, uh, Rachel told me, Rachel Neese, shout out friend of the pod. She told me that you had at one time hosted a movie podcast. And I was like- Carson was already an ideal guest of the pod and now over just over the top 
perfect. So oh, stop, stop. You don't know what you signed up for because like on that podcast, I was the host, quote unquote, if there uh-huh. was such a term. So they let me talk, you know, 55% of the time. And maybe the other two guys had to share 45%. So I'm really wow. doing my best here to see what it's like at the co-pilot chair. Um, <laughs> and when it goes poorly, there will just be no chairs left for me. So I'm excited about it. The only thing that's keeping me here and keeping me from not worrying about trashing your beautiful podcast is how much I love the movie that we are going to talk about today. Yes. Uh, I don't need to rush it, but, uh, but yeah, I'm excited. Oh, well, I think your excitement is well-placed and I think that we should get into it today. We're talking about forgetting Sarah Marshall per Carson's recommendation. And I'm so glad that you suggested this movie. Like I was telling you earlier, I actually do really like this movie. Good stuff to unpack with this movie. Um, yeah, I can't wait to talk about it either. How, okay. So you said that you told me before that this is like one of your favorite movies. Has it always been one of your favorite movies? Like when you first saw it, were you like, this is, this is as good as it gets? Yeah, no, I've definitely gone through phases with this movie. Um, and I would like to answer this question in two parts. One, just generally, you know, I think when it first came out, was it 2007 or 2008? Right. Um, yeah. it, it was an Apatow movie. It was you know felt kind of scandalous at the time you know maybe I didn't tell my parents I was going out and seeing this movie like that sort Mm -hmm. of thing and so definitely as a middle schooler and early high schooler I thought this was the greatest movie I've ever seen yeah then I went through periods of embarrassment where I was like no like I can't pick a comedy that's just sort of like slapstick to like be my favorite movie of all time and Mm -hmm. now I've really come back around I feel like that's what your late 20s is about is becoming yes. comfortable with yourself and mm-hmm. just saying like, no, this really is one of my favorite movies. Uh, I'm not sure if it makes, you know, the Mount Rushmore or my Desert Islet, you know, collection of films, but it's certainly in the top 10. And the second part of my answer that I wanted to give was, I just feel like it hits you in important, fun, creative ways, depending on the period in life that you're in. You know, everyone goes through breakups, everyone deals with rejection. And when you watch this movie in that period of life, um, you resonate a lot more with Jason Siegel and are like, wow, like this is is so relatable. And if you watch it just generally for fun, for the comedy, for the adventure of it, he's sort of probably the most over the top overacted character in the film. And, but it's still hilarious. And so I think it just, there's a number of different ways that this film uh, can speak to people. Yeah, I think that you make such a good point because this movie is the type of movie that if I'm going through a breakup, I want to watch it because like it's relatable in that sense that mm-hmm. all of us can be like, oh, I know what it feels like to be crying all the time and everyone feels bad for you. But also mm-hmm. as an outsider, as a, an audience member, you know that this guy is going to be okay. And so I think that when watching this when you're going through a breakup or have recently gone through a breakup, it's kind of like, okay, well, he's going to be okay. I will eventually make my Dracula musical. We're all going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and even the Dracula musical itself is so, you know, like, I think the words are like, it's getting hard to believe that it's going to get better, but he's singing it in his ridiculous <laughs> Dracula over the top voice. I mean, it's just, it, it it's hilarious and, and it's different depending on where you're at. And I also, you know, rewatching it for this podcast, I thought it was just 
I thought the musical, the Dracula musical was interesting to think about just in terms of like quarantine and, you know, everyone getting over that sort of sadness and the isolation and everything. And, um, you know, having Jason Siegel's ridiculous Dracula voice put to those lyrics and this time, um, I thought was even a new take on it for me. And uh, again, I'm not going to apologize for thinking about a Judd, Judd Apatow sort of slapstick comedy with such uh, lenses. That's just what I bring to the table. And that's what, that's what we're doing here. Yeah. And I love that. I think no matter what it is, you can bring your, you can bring your own lens to it. I remember when I first saw this movie, I really only took it at like the surface level. I thought that it was funny, but I also was kind of like, um, uh, this movie wasn't really made for me. This was made for like younger teenage boys. This isn't really my style, but I guess it's kind of funny. Younger and, teenage Carson would agree with you. That was definitely yeah. made for. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> for was definitely made boys. like for you. But as I've gotten older, I've liked it more and more and more. And I don't know if that's because like it continues to hold up where other Apatow movies from that era hold up less well or if it's just because like I am becoming less mature and I find stupid shit funny that could be it as well um and also yeah I think similar to you like in my late 20s I just don't really care that much if the things that I like are cool I just Mm want to like them yeah I definitely think this movie has those um you know, just whack-a-mole jokes, you know, that sort of whatever, just humor that's just, you know, seems improvised and because it was improvised, it's just mm-hmm. um, dirty and off the cuff and those things. But it also has a lot of the comedy is derived from the plot and the drama and, and the characters. And I think that's sort of what sets it apart for me from some of the other um, comedies of this genre. And I know like, so it was, it was written by Jason Siegel but he worked a lot with Judd Apatow on it. And I think Apatow told him like, write the script like a drama, write it to be serious, write it to have the emotion of a breakup. And then you and me and all the funny people that we bring together for this incredible cast of a movie will bring the funny and the funny will come later. And I think that really shows. Wow, that's so interesting. I think it really does show. That's such a cool way to approach a comedy script. Yeah, you can really tell that there's some earnest emotion in this movie. And all the secondary characters are so goddamn funny. They're so great. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite of like the just myriad of small characters in this film? I think that probably Chuck played by, um, who plays Chuck? Paul Rudd. Yes, Paul Rudd, the surf instructor, who's like, my <laughs> my mainland name is Chuck, but my Hawaiian name is Kunu. <laughs> I think that he's very funny. And then I forgot this time when I rewatched it about Kristen Stewart as the yoga instructor. That was so funny. Not Kristen Stewart. Kristen. Wig. Wig. I wrote Kristen Stewart in my notes and I was like. That's not right. Okay, Kristen Wiig as the yoga instructor was so funny. Um, but yeah, I also, I want... Gar- go just... ahead. So, sorry to interrupt. I don't want to step on your process here, but whenever appropriate, I need you to break down that scene for me and, and Kristen Wiig's role in it. Because I think that's actually a deleted scene. 
And like in oh, doing really? some half-assed internet research for this podcast, I discovered, oh, wow, I've never seen this scene and uh, I'm not going to pull it up right now on my work computer. So yeah, I'm going to need a rundown <laughs> from you later. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'll give you a rundown now. Basically, uh, Jason Siegel, Peter, is in a yoga class at the resort, happens to be there with Sarah Marshall, his ex played by Kristen Bell and her new boyfriend, Albus Snow, played by Russell Brand. And um, basically, Kristen Wiig as the yoga instructor is just really over the top with her instructions. And she's she's telling Peter like how bad of a job he's doing while focusing on like Albus how, and how good of a job he's doing. And she's helping people. She's like touching them, helping them get into these poses. And then, and then she goes up to Albus and she's like, your form is perfect. So this one's going to be just for me now. And she like, <laughs> and she like folds her body on top of him. It's very silly and she does a great job. So I would highly recommend looking up that scene sometime. It sounds like it fits so perfectly into the class of scenes in this movie um, where it's just sort of the forced coincidence over mm-hmm. and over again and yeah. if i if i was to pick some nits in the movie i don't even know if this is an age well didn't age well critique it's just sort of you know a, a nit criticism of it is that you know they just keep running into each other it's like mm-hmm. on the one hand you need that plot device of okay we all end up in hawaii you know after their breakup which happens in the first five minutes of the film jason siegel whose name is peter in the film he decides to go to hawaii well, Kristen Bell, a.k.a. Sarah Marshall, is there, too, with her new boyfriend. And on the one level, it's like, OK, so this is the movie. They're in Hawaii together. And then they keep going to dinner and they keep mm-hmm. going. You know, they get a new room that's right next to one another and they go to a concert and they're there. Right. Um, so on the one hand, it's like, OK, guys, like I get it. Like you're both on Hawaii. It's a small island. But does this really keep happening? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, and the part that I really like about it is that there's a way in which it's not supposed to be taken literally like it's a comedy mm-hmm. right it's it's right. a but but more than that it's like emphasizing I think sort of a post breakup hysteria that lots of people go through yes. where it's like what if I run into them here what if I run into them here you know I have a friend who you know broke up with a girl years ago and she now lives like multiple states over and mm-hmm. like is still worried about like running into him, running into her at bars. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you got to calm down. But it's also the most relatable feeling in the world. And like this, you know, this is just sort of like, you know, a horror in a certain sense of like those chance encounters. Yeah, I, I think that you make a great point because there's sort of this suspension of disbelief that I'm willing to buy into because it's entertaining and that's it, you know? And she's like, you know, and she's famous in the world of the movie, too. Right. So that's part of it, too. Like when he shows up at the hotel for the first time, Mila Kunis's character, um, Rachel, is like, oh, my gosh, have you heard? Like Sarah Marshall's here. She's the big draw. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we're off and running. And yeah, it's just so funny. And I think, you know, every actor in this film just brings it on mm-hmm. down the line. Like it's believable and funny and heartfelt. Um, scene to scene that we can sort of overlook some of those other things. Yeah, totally. And also, I think that that definitely speaks to the like the paranoia that you have when you 
go through a breakup with someone and when you run into them again, you're like, oh my God, everyone's paying attention to them. Everyone knows who they are. Like they're the most important person in the room right now. When like most of us, our exes Mm. aren't celebrities, but in this sense, it's sort of like, it just amps up the drama and the paranoia and like the attention given to her and the fact that she's there in a really funny way. So I think that they did a good job using that as a, like an element of her character. Yeah, that aspect of you can't escape her. And yeah. you literally can't escape her because she's famous and doing advertisements on the plane. And right. like has billboards <laughs> in Hawaii and all of that. But but exactly. Molly, now I have to ask you, I mean, sorry if this gets too personal, but you know, Tell as me. the star of the Did This Age Well podcast, do you have an ex who like used to be a sound tech for the podcast or, you know, like <laughs> used to like do mic repairs <laughs> or something like that? Because that would be the analogous situation here and made me wonder why forgetting Sarah Marshall was on your list, if I'm being frank, you know, right. if there was, you know, an opportunity for you to take <laughs> some shots here. You know what? I wish that I could say that I had a composer for this podcast that was Jason Siegel, who, by the way, in this movie is made to be kind of just like the frumpy, mediocre, like eh, guy. But I think that he is such a cutie. So if he was my <laughs> if he was like my sound engineer or my composer, you know, I would not be letting him go no matter how many days a week he wore sweatpants, which is another thing that doesn't age well in this movie is that Sarah Marshall criticizes him for wearing sweatpants every day. And I'm like, dude, this year, who among us can say that they had a week of wearing not sweatpants, you know? Oh yeah. And and this year in particular, yeah, no one, you wouldn't break up with someone for that. You'd lock them down, you know, put a ring on it. Um, (laughs) No, but that's interesting to hear you say that because I do think uh, that crosses off one of my did this age well notes as a didn't age well, because I, you know, on the one hand, I I thought this sort of fit into the trope, the Judd Apatow trope of having these really, what did you say, frumpy, um, sort of very bland, round male characters, you know, being with like the most beautiful women in mm-hmm. Hollywood. Um, so I'm glad that you think Jason Siegel is a step above. Yeah, I think it is. It, it's, uh, it does kind of fit this trope, uh, not kind of, it does fit the trope of this mediocre looking nice guy getting his heart broken by an evil hot woman so that he can find a nice hot woman. But at the same time, Sarah Marshall isn't the crazy ex trope like he's kind of the crazy ex like he's the one that's really vulnerable and acting kind of embarrassing and she's clearly over it has been over it she's the one who's like did you follow me to Hawaii and so there are some elements of that trope that I think they play with in a fun and interesting way but then it's but it is sort of this apatow like okay you're kind of an average looking, (laughs) not frumpy, but just like a normal looking sort of like round man who probably dates really hot people. I don't know. I think that's totally fair. Um, And I want to touch on one other thing you said there too, though, was that Sarah Marshall isn't the crazy ex. Mm -hmm. You know, she's not, I, I think very few people walk away from this movie or, you know, even experience the movie, like hating Sarah Marshall or sort of rolling your eyes at her. I mean, 
she's not a perfect character, but, but neither is Rachel Mila Kunis's character. You know, they're both like just pretty nice, pretty solid, fun people. And like the first time you watch it, I think there's a real moment of inquiry about two thirds of the way through where you're like, oh, maybe he should get back together with Sarah Marshall, you know? And mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, I think just one, that both of them acted so well, their characters are so great. And two, that Rachel, the the woman that he's supposed to end up with, you know, has some flaws of her own, I think makes it just really compelling, at least the first time you watch it. Yeah, I think that both of these women have additional dimensions to them other than just being hot like to me Sarah Marshall is a little bit more one-dimensional maybe it was just my personal takeaway from this movie but I just didn't really find anything that redeemable about her even when she was having a conversation with Peter about how she was trying in their relationship and how he didn't try I just like wasn't really convinced like it was pretty easy for me to vilify her however I do think that that was sort of like a little bit of just like my bias as a viewer watching that but Rachel I think is a really multi-dimensional character there's a lot more to her than just being a rebound even though like she is a rebound she is actually like really kind and we learn about like who she is and like where she comes from and her past relationships and her personality and like what she does day to day, who her friends are. Like she's not just this body, even though she is a hot body. She's a multidimensional character. Mm-hmm. I'm fully on board with that. I will only make uh, one more half-hearted pitch for the well-roundedness of Sarah Marshall's character. Okay, let's get um, into it. Where, no, I think when you talk about your bias, I think that the pertinent bias is the uh, male bias that's so easily willing to forgive her. <laughs> <in that moment. laughs> but um, I do think the scene that I find most redeeming is when they have the talk at the bar after she finds out her TV show got canceled and they sort of reconnect a little bit and are there and able to support each other. Because mm-hmm. for people who haven't seen the film that you know, Jason Siegel does the music for the show on CBS and Sarah Marshall's the star. So they sort of work together and they're finding out about it together that the show got canceled. I think in that moment, you know, they come together a little bit. And I think soon after that, Sarah Marshall has reflections about how like Peter used to wear things that she would buy him, you know, shirts and mail purses and all these Mm -hmm. things that Peter was all about and just loved being doted on by his girlfriend and how, Aldous Snow, the British rock star played by Russell Brand, her new boyfriend is like not about that at all. Right. Um, and last thing, I just think that's another fun way in which, you know, Apatow and Siegel like make this really a like a romantic comedy, but a bromantic comedy. And because it's like, it, it's the guy who likes being doted on by the girl and just showing mm-hmm. off all the things that she's giving him. Right. Um, and like you said earlier, Jason Siegel emotional wreck throughout the entire film doesn't mm-hmm. stop crying I think for a 20 minute stretch but yeah that's another part that I find redeemable about her you know I think that it's really fun how Peter is seeking emotional support from all of these other people like friends strangers anybody who will be like willing to support him and I think it's a cute it's like a very lovable 
quality in him. Like some of it is sort Mm -hmm. of funny. We're like, oh my God, this guy is like, well, I don't know. I don't feel like we're really making fun of him. It feels like, oh, we've, we've all been there, you know? It's, it's, it's both and, you know, it's It's both and yeah, totally. It's like you laugh at him and you laugh at yourself. You're like, we're all human. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, speak of the other hotel guests, the bartenders, the other staff at the hotel. It's yeah. just this fun little island world in Hawaii yeah. uh, that seems like a, you know, just a good place for a vacation, if not to try and get over an ex. When you said the kind of like the quirky cast of characters on the island, I I just thought of how perfect this setting is for a movie like this. First of all, this hilarious contrast between this perfect, idyllic place and Peter's melodrama and sadness. And also they're on an island. It's kind of this like self-contained, not really of this like everyday mainland world. Like we're kind of put into a different world, which is fun. Mm -hmm. It's tough to mess up a movie set in Hawaii or set Mm -hmm. on a tropical island or set on a beach, you know? I mean- isn't it like 95% of the reason that Lost was a successful TV show? I mean, right. love Lost, but like, you know, it's just <laughs> uh, apparently Jason Siegel too, like, I guess when he wrote it, like got, he took a vacation out to Hawaii to write the script. Oh my too, God. So I'm sure that was a great to reimburse later. So oh, yeah, God. whenever uh, did this age well wants to fly me to location, let me know. Uh, you know I'll send what? you my billables. <laughs> Just need to get a couple of sponsors. Hawaiian Airlines, if you are looking to sponsor our podcast, hit us up. Uh, let's see who else. Any resorts in Hawaii? Literally mm-hmm. anyone. Doesn't have to be Hawaii. We will just take your money too, and then we'll buy our own stuff to go to Hawaii. Thank any you. face-to-face videoing platform. I'm not going to name any now because I want them to want it. You know, I want them to hear <laughs> this sort of plug and reach out to you later. Because uh, and, and don't don't get me wrong, Molly. I've got thoughts on on video facing platforms for, for later in the podcast. So, uh, oh, we do, we do. Down. Mark that down. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, I mean, we've spent a lot of time talking about some of these some of these concepts and kind of hopping around to different different aspects and plot points in the movie, but I I want to take it back to the opening scene, which I love. Anytime, okay, so Peter is standing there naked, full frontal, when Sarah Marshall breaks up with him. And I don't know if you, you probably know this already, but this actually happened to Jason Siegel. And when he, when it happened, he was like, well, I guess I'll have to use this in a movie, which I'm loving that outlook. Like any time that you experience an embarrassing moment, just consider it source material for your art. Um, totally. But yeah, anytime that there's full frontal man in a movie, it feels like an important moment for feminism to me. No, exactly. It's another one of those moments where they flip the script on its head. It's like, it's time to quit objectifying the female body. And we are going to instead laugh at this male body. And here we go. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, you know what, maybe not even laugh, you know, whatever reaction you have to it, that's, that's the reaction that you have. And I have no further comments on the matter. (laughs) 
Exactly. And also, um, we never see Kristen Bell naked. So that's kind of like, that's kind of cool that like we see him naked and vulnerable and it's kind of embarrassing for him. But like, we never get like, there definitely are like gratuitous boobs in this movie, but not hers. Like, I mean, I don't think we see her boobs. Anyways, if no, I don't think so. I don't think so either. And I think the fun fact that I discovered from the IMDb page is that mm-hmm. like Mila Kunis's like top shot from like later in the movie, it's sort of a plot point. Like there's this bathroom at a bar that has all these topless photos of women at it. And one of them is Mila Kunis's. And that's how he makes up to her as he goes and um, Jason Siegel like steals the photo and then goes and gives it to her. But apparently that was a fake too. That's not, it wasn't actually Mila Kunis. Fun oh, fact. Wow. So another one for feminism. Wow. Another win for feminism. We love Mm -hmm. to see it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, I just think like, do you remember, I mean, not all of us like had fully developed internet lives in 2008. I know I didn't, but mm -hmm. I remember like people just being a buzz that this was a thing. It was like, guys, like you see this movie, like you're going to see Jason Siegel's penis. It was like oh, yeah. something that like people talked about. Like it yeah. was just like, and I think it would still be out of the blue today. I mean, it doesn't happen that much. Yeah, totally. I remember people talking about it a lot too, how it was sort of like, oh my God. Like, I guess <laughs> among my friends, it was like, oh my God, it's so gross. In the beginning, you just see like Jason Siegel and his like flaccid penis. <laughs> <laughs> just totally naked. It's so gross. <laughs> And now watching this, I'm like, it's just a body. Like, it's, for me, I had, like, no reaction to it other than, like, it's a body. He's just standing there, naked, vulnerable, just a body. We've been desensitized by Game of Thrones and everything that's come since. Literally everything that's come since, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Did that age well for you, Molly? Did that? Did the, oh, the, full, the full frontal, frontal? yeah totally yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely I think it ages very well I think it was important and I think that it was funny because like he keeps on not putting his clothes on when she's trying to have a serious conversation she's like if you would just put your clothes on he's like no I won't put my clothes on I know if I put my clothes on that it is over <laughs> So just the humor in that scene was great, but I think that especially for a movie like this that was so mainstream, to have full frontal male nudity was important. So yeah, I think it ages well. Very well. Very good. So the stepbrother, Brian, played by Bill Hader, is like, dude, you got to go on vacation. So can I can I pause you there? Yes, you can. A, Please a do. small note. This is just hilarious to me. I've seen this movie probably like 15 times in my life. I never knew that Bill Hader was his stepbrother. I never picked I thought he was just a friend. I never, oh, I yeah. never picked that up. Like, yeah. Uh, so thank you for it. See, that's why you do stuff like this. Exactly. Lifelong learner, Molly. We live, anyway, we learn continue. every day, every single day, Carson. Um, so he, he, as in Peter, arrives at this hotel in Hawaii and he sees Sarah like first thing when he walks in. Okay, Carson, I've got a question for you. If you showed up to a hotel, a resort on an island where your ex and their new partner were staying, would you leave or would you stay? Honestly, now let me, I think I am so heavily influenced by 
the practical constraints of the situation. Like if I remember, he didn't have, he didn't have a reservation at the hotel. He was just winging it. Yeah. But he had flown all the way there. You know, it's like, that is true. Do you just like turn back around? You know, I think my embarrassment and my shame and how much I would would not want to be there would be overpowered by the fact of like, man, this is the biggest L of L's in the entire book. If I just turn around and buy another $800 flight away from Hawaii (laughs) the next day, like I have to get some enjoyment. Now, probably what I would have done is not stayed at the same hotel like Jason Siegel does. And that, I think that, you know, for, for people who haven't seen it, that's heavily influenced because he's at the front desk with Rachel, Mila Kunis, and Mila Kunis, feels bad for him and just gives him this really bougie expensive suite which god bless me if that ever happened to me i mean that would be can you imagine getting a free six thousand dollar hotel is that something that happens to people like it made me want to try it yeah just fly somewhere and try say can i have an upgrade they say you don't have a reservation i say exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah let me know how that goes yeah please please do or if you want me to be the like you know, like come break up with you in a really horrible way in front of everyone to try and, and get I'll the say he's points. famous. <laughs> <laughs> That's Carson from that one podcast. <laughs> Forbes 30 under 30. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, to answer your great. question, I would probably end up staying but going to a different hotel. I feel the exact same way. I would go to a different hotel. I think that. I don't know. My pride, similar to both Peter and Sarah, they both stay because they're like too proud to leave. They're like, well, I'm not going to be the one who leaves. Like I'm staying, Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay. I'm going to prove to you that I can stay and that it's no big deal. Uh, Part of me thinks that my pride might do that to me, but also I, I think that I would so much rather just avoid the awkwardness by just going to a different hotel but would still want to have my vacation of course right no I don't yeah I think I would be much more overcome with the turtle shell uh feeling of just I'm not sure I would be able to leave my hotel for the rest of the time there depending on how recent the breakup was it's just like no I can't I can't go up I can't go run into them at yoga class with Kristen Wiig (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's good can we dive into this? What yeah. I mean, where does yoga class rank in terms of worst places to run into your ex? Oh my god. I mean, that's gotta be in the top three, right? Listen, I once dated this guy for I mean, for a very short period of time, but he went to the same yoga studio as me. No. He, his we had the same like neighborhood restaurant. I ran into him there a few times. Um, we had like a couple of the same friends and I like ran into him at like social encounters. One time I ran into him three times in the same week. And yes, one of them was at a yoga class. It was for everyone listening. My hand is over (laughs) my mouth right now. I've been (laughs) aghast. I know that doesn't come through very well in the audio medium, but I'm aghast right now. Yeah, it was, um, it was as horrible as you could imagine. And we only, I mean, we're, we went on like maybe four dates. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like a several years long relationship, like these two people and it was still still horrible. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think the problem is that like for how much yoga I do, I'm just terrible at it. And it's like a vulnerable thing. Like that's the whole Mm -hmm. thing about yoga is to be open and vulnerable in the world. And it's just like, you can't do that. You know, if you're in that situation with an ex, no, it would just, 
uh, you know, I would, I, you know, I might just be in down dog or the whole time or child's yeah. pose or something and just, 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 just call give up. Yeah. <laughs> Early Shavasana. <laughs> Hello. I am dead physically, mentally, spiritually. That's probably what I would do as well. Good. Well, I'm glad that we, I'm glad that we cleared that up, that we would have a somewhat exit plan, not leaving mm-hmm. the Island, but leaving the hotel for sure. For sure. So let's see what else is, what else is happening? Oh yeah. Okay. So we're introduced to Aldous Snow, the over the top, highly sexualized, disconnected from this world rock star that Sarah Marshall is now dating, of course, played by Russell Brand. What do you think about Russell Brand? Am I allowed to think that like who he is in real life doesn't seem that far detached from who he is in this movie? I think he's basically playing himself. I think like the over-sexualization is the piece of it that's maybe not true, but you never mm-hmm. know with celebrities. Right. But like every other aspect of his personality is just like who I have seen in interviews and talk shows and mm-hmm. on his crazy meditation podcast, podcast, excuse me, which is by the way, not relaxing at all. Sorry. Sorry, Molly. You will not you will not be getting any sponsorship requests for Muscle Brands podcast. But uh yeah. Um yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's one of those a lot of the characters in this movie sort of quote play themselves. And he mm-hmm. is definitely one of those people, I think. I think so too. I think that he is one of those people who is kind of like fake deep. Like that's sort of his whole thing throughout this movie is that he's like peace and love and he's got like I don't know his his songs are like really over the top and kind of stupid but trying to be like really meaningful and that's sort of my impression of Russell Brand like I don't know you're definitely not getting sponsored by his podcast now (laughs) definitely not I'm so sorry one time I will say one time this doesn't really speak to like a redeemable quality of his but I once saw him jogging in east london i just saw him jogging and someone was like hey that was russell brand and i was like oh yeah it was (laughs) when were you in london uh this was in uh like 2014 or 2015 okay yeah i was there i was there in 2013 and i think my most famous sighting was we thought we saw uh shoot who's iron man Oh, uh, Russ, Robert Downey Jr. Is he Iron we, Man or he's, yes, he's the other we one? Thought, okay. We thought we saw Robert Downey Jr. on wow. the set Sherlock Holmes, but it wasn't. And oh. so that's my, it was like a stunt double or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, was that a good story? Bad. You can cut yeah, that Yeah, it out. was. No, 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 no. Have, no, no, no. That's the good your... stuff. That's the, it's the relatable content. We can all relate to thinking that we saw a celebrity and that we didn't be so excited to tell people like, Ooh, now I have something interesting to share. And then you realize <laughs> that it wasn't that person. You're like, well, I guess I still have to tell people because now I've gotten this idea in my head that I'm going to tell people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I really want to like Russell Brand, but I think that he is sort of, I don't know. I can kind of take him, take him or leave him. He's sort of like just this quirky, kooky character. He's more of an idea than a person in my mind. And I'll say the idea that he is in this movie is very fun. And he plays it to perfection when he's up performing his incredibly uh, provocative songs called Mm -hmm. Inside of You and the like. (laughs) Um, It's just 
you know, his dancing, his movement, all of it is just hilarious. And one of my favorite things about this movie is how it sort of takes shots at like cable or like network television with, you know, one, all of the clips of Sarah Marshall's show, which I want to talk about a lot more. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, at the end of like Access Hollywood, they play a music video with Al the Snow. And that's how they introduce us to him. And I walk away from that clip going, yeah, I want to know more about this guy. I mean, that guy seems like a freak. And then he's yeah, part, and he yeah. becomes part of the movie. So I thought it was, it was a good setup. I think so too. And I think that it is a good point that he has incredible physical comedy. Like his physical comedy throughout this movie is so funny. He really, yeah, he acts the shit out of this part. And his character is the perfect, like, shitty new boyfriend that you would want to see in this type of movie. Mm. For mm. Me. Well said. Yeah. But yeah, let's talk about how <laughs> how crime scene, scene of the crime, the <laughs> uh, show that has made Sarah Marshall famous is depicted in this movie. It is. I think it's just so great because it, First off, it's crime scene colon scene of the crime. The parallelism around the colon, I think, is really important. But second off, it's just part of the comedy that for teenagers and now all millennials, Mm -hmm. like in the aftermath, that it's just fun, subtle digs at our parents, right? Mm -hmm. It's just fun, subtle digs at the TV that they watched while we were there. And maybe we weren't old enough to watch it. But then we came to realize that we don't want to watch it because it's stupid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah, it's just hilarious and overacted and has some of the best lines in the film, frankly. Um, One of my favorite, favorite lines in the film is, it's going to be hard for her to win the pageant without a face. Without a face. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. There's one where he just takes a long pause and he goes, can you say dixical and it's just like completely <laughs> out of context and there you have no idea what's really going on at all but it's just like those end of scene zingers straight to commercial it's, mm-hmm. it's well done it's great yeah. i and- wish there was a youtube reel a montage of just like cut scenes of this maybe there is i don't own the disc but like you there know is. if they just had like 50 of these scenes <laughs> i would love that i would love a spin-off show that is just crime scene colon scene of the crime (laughs) i would love that as well as a spinoff where we get to see the rock opera dracula performance in full i would really like that a lot i'm not sure if that's really netflix material but you know maybe peacock maybe stars streaming perhaps stars streaming i would i would sign up for that Okay, what else do we need to talk about in this part of the movie? Oh, okay, we need to talk about Jonah Hill's character, Matthew, the restaurant host, who is so awkward and so funny. He has zero social skills, and I felt like he was... This is the kind of Jonah Hill content that I live for. He uh, He's just fully in his own universe, the whole film. Uh, there's one point, like, when they get to the concert venue... And like Jonah Hill tries to take Peter's plate and he hasn't had like any of the cake yet. He's like, oh yeah, like I'm still eating this. Like just leave that here. And Jonah Hill goes, oh yeah, I guess I'll go fuck myself. (laughs) (laughs) That is so perfect and so much funnier than I could ever deliver it on a podcast. But I also think, you know, we've already mentioned Paul Rudd. There's Jonah Hill, Jason Siegel, Mila Kunis, Kristen Bell, Russell Brand, like, um, the guy from 30 Rock is in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack McBriar in a small mm-hmm. role. 
uh, it's really just, and what an incredible cast. I got everyone right before, you know, some of them right before they blew up or got bigger roles. Some of them sort of at their peak. I think you would say this is sort of Jason Siegel's peak in terms yeah. of acting, but it, it's, it's just one of those films you look back on and go, wow, how did they do it? You know, I, I had the same reaction to, in a much different context, um, Scott Pilgrim versus the world comic book movie like, from how are all these people not busy like how are all of these people free to work at the same time right because yeah. we're looking at it with our 2021 <laughs> lens of like exactly. that's so many you know there's captain america there's chris evans in this movie and there's right. um aubrey plaza yeah i'm talking about scott pilgrim now but same thing same thing with forgetting sarah marshall it's like wow Kristen mm-hmm. bill had a whole another second act after this and she's still awesome but they yeah. got her for this yeah, totally. Yeah, it is awesome. And there's um, even some of the actors who I unfortunately, like, I mean, I easily could have looked it up, but didn't look up the names of like the bartender and some of the other folks who are guests of the hotel and work at the hotel who Peter gets to know throughout his trip. Like everyone who's just so nice to him throughout his time there, like everyone feels bad for him and they want to like see him get a win. And so they like, they really try and like pump him up. All of those characters, like all the people who acted in those roles, I thought were just phenomenal. Okay, so let's transition now to moving forward to their first outing mm-hmm. between Rachel and Peter. I forget exactly how it comes up. They're like at a loop, they're at some other barbecue, and he asks if she wants to hang out later. And she's like, mm-hmm. sure. Molly, was that a date? It's a great question. I would not say definitively that it was a date, but I think if I were in either one of those positions, I'd be like, okay, like, yeah, something's probably going to happen. If you were a dumb man who just had a really bad breakup and you were in Jason Siegel's shoes, you could see how he could spin that in his head (laughs) as a date. You, You could see that. I think that it was, there's sort of this element of like wishful thinking that can persuade you into believing things that are not real I don't think that I mean she didn't explicitly say anything like super flirtatious but it was sort of like I don't know could have been friendly I saw it more as a date that's very kind of you yeah I think it was definitely just a (laughs) lay you want to go to this thing sure I'm chill we hang out together like I think she says to him at one point like hey man, you don't have to make this a thing. Like either you want to come with me or you don't. It's not a big deal. You know, that's sort of her just like, you know, being being a chill person. And uh, poor Peter is just, he just needed a win, man. And he gets Mm -hmm. it later, but he's he's just pushing too hard early on. If I were him, I would not have leaned in for that kiss at the end of the night. Like when she dodges the kiss, I felt Uh like, oh yeah, like you really jumped the gun there. Even if she yeah. hadn't dodged the kiss, I'd be like, oh, wow, that was bold. Mm-hmm. He really had a lot of confidence there with not <laughs> that much to go on. <laughs> right. From like not an overly confident character in the film. Exactly. So, yeah, that's a good question. F- listeners, friends of the pod, enemies of the pod, acquaintances of the pod, let us know if you felt like that was a date or not their outing where they go to the beach and they hang out let us know what you think i would be curious do you, 
do you have a lot of enemies of the pod? Is this a big, you didn't warn me if that, is that something I need to worry about? I mean, you certainly got more after this episode. You know, you're gonna I mean, think- definitely. Yeah. Any, I mean, really anytime we let a man onto this show, we really invite a lot of enemies. Of- <laughs> totally fair. Totally um, fair. Uh, here's the thing is that we have a few enemies of the pod, but they probably don't listen to the pod. So, um, they're mm. just, they're just enemies who don't know that they're enemies. Very so if there's anyone who you dislike, we will take them on as an enemy of the pod. If you, if you would like, I'll send you a list after. Yeah. Send me your shit list and we'll add them to our list of enemies of the pod. <laughs> Wait, can we back up for a second? I, yeah. There's another yeah. plot point. I think I, I scooted over. So speaking of Jonah Hill's character is when I sidetracked us on Jonah Hill. His first, Peter's first dinner out in Hawaii, he shows up at the host stand and Jonah Hill is there and he's like, <laughs> oh, bro, is it, it's just you? Is your wife coming? Is your, is your girlfriend, is your girlfriend joining you? Oh, man. Oh, that's gonna be really sad. <laughs> it's just this. It's perfect... like, do you want a magazine? Do you want something to do? Are you gonna be bored? What are you gonna do? Oh my god, it was so cringy and so funny. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? I've never had that experience. I feel like people are like nicer. I feel like oh yeah, you know, like I think that more people are like socially aware of like what's going on than that but there are some people who like I mean I've come across those people of course who like are just weird and don't really know how to act around other people well and I think I guess part of it too is like they're just they're overdoing for comedic effect the situation like I I could totally see you know a situation where the host is just like oh it's just you you know, not meaning anything by it, just like trying to figure out like who's there. But to the recent person who was broken up with, it's right. Like, yes. Yes. It's just me. Oh, it's just you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, so where are we now? Okay. So now, uh, now I think that we should talk about the video chat experience that. Peter has with his stepbrother played by Bill Hader the next day. So he's like on a video chat and he's like, yeah, I like met, I've like been meeting some people, blah, blah, blah. And the zoom backgrounds that they use are the exact same low quality that they are today. So that aged perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And, um, but then there are some parts in this chat, in this scene that don't age well, for instance, when, Bill Hader's character's wife is like, we're on the beach now. Cause they have this like beach filter background. She's like, we're on the beach now. Like we're going to go on a hula. We're going to go to Luau. And they're just kind of like, at first we're kind of laughing at them. Cause we're like, oh my God, they've like never left their house. They've never been on a vacation. And then they kind of start to, how do I describe this? They kind of start to mock native uh, their idea of like native american people and like what they would be doing yeah Yeah. native hawaiian people and like what they would be doing at a luau and um and peter says they aren't native americans which is not really true either so anyways that whole part was just like really cringy it was racist it didn't age well that's uh, an astute observation. I didn't even think I, I didn't get past in my head sort of the joke of it being like, 
instead like they get their words mixed up like you said like bill Hader says like oh we're doing the luau and like his wife says that and they're being they're being dumb because it's like the dance is called the hula or i guess that right. you know something else it's not called the luau is the event that you go to right go to. yeah it's not the dance that's the dumb joke of this moment but you're so right it, it sort of does cast a, a bad light and, and a mocking not fun tone on mm -hmm. native hawaiian culture yeah totally and I think that uh, this contrast of like, first of all, Bill Hader's character, like making these noises and like doing these actions that are, that are mocking like the, the stereotypes of Native American people. And then when Peter says they aren't Native Americans, Peter's reaction to what his stepbrother is doing is not like, hey, that's not how people act and that's rude. He's like, oh, you've got your cultures wrong, <laughs> which is also like, it was all just kind of messy and yeah. yeah. It's but a tough I, area. It's a tough area to make jokes in and you need to do it with like a sensitivity and hopefully, I mean, usually to make those sorts of jokes work with actual people from those cultures so that they know that it's an okay or they're in on the joke or there's like a level of levity to it that's not sort of like looking down at another culture but I will just say I mean I don't I I never I never caught that point in the movie before but I don't know like do do Native Hawaiians consider themselves Native Americans like I would have I, I'm just ignorant on this point I would have guessed that that was um that was true that maybe they considered themselves a different indigenous population yeah, that's a great question and something that I don't really know the answer to. It's interesting because I think about we have like mainland United States and Hawaii is only a part of the United States because of not because of geography, but because right. of like because of colonialism, because like. of colonialism. So it's like, oh, yeah. I guess maybe actually it it might have nothing to do with america because right, right this is like an island total yeah i don't know that's a good question we'll, ha we'll have to put the answer in show notes for the yeah, curious show listener. notes we'll yeah. it will include some links okay let's see what else oh <laughs> okay so there is one night where peter goes out with rachel and she gets him to perform a song from his dracula rock opera and i loved that one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, probably probably mm -hmm. my second or third favorite scene. I yeah. mean, just it's such a fun thing to do. One, I think it's cool that Peter does it. Like I imagine myself in that scenario, just saying like, no, I can't play in front of you right now. Mm -hmm. Like, ah, sheepish. First date, whatever. Uh, it's cool that Rachel sets it up. It's cool that Peter does it. The music is ridiculous. And everyone's mm -hmm. reactions at the bar is sort of like, endearing kind of like questioning smile to like frowning questioning <laughs> you know there's there's all the reactions and then to tepid applause at the end led by rachel who's cheering uh wholeheartedly for peter and the music is ridiculous and it is fun and i do want to sing it you know it's just it's just catchy yeah. you know yeah i'm not gonna sing it right now i've already i've already sung a little bit you can you can clip yeah. that in here if you need to but uh, <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. I think that it's really funny how Rachel, oh, I think it's really sweet how Rachel is so encouraging and how even though like she can like she can read the room, she knows that everyone else is like, what the fuck is this? And mm -hmm. she still cheers on Peter. She's happy for him. She's not making fun of him. She's just like excited for him that he's doing something that he loves. 
and she's getting him out of his comfort zone, which I thought was sweet. Okay. (laughs) Another one of my favorite parts of this movie is when Sarah buys a really ugly shirt from Tommy Bahama for Aldous Snow. (laughs) And when they're walking into the restaurant, there's like this boomer like white man who sees Aldous Snow wearing the same shirt as him and like gives him a wink. (laughs) And he's like mortified because he's like, I can't wear it. I can't wear this shirt. And then he spills wine on it and is like, oh no, not the shirt. (laughs) She's like, I think I made an improvement. I think we've improved upon the original design. Yeah. That's Uh, one of my favorite scenes too, is the really awkward, forced, hilarious double date where they end up. And like, because Rachel and Peter get there first, and then there's no table for uh, Aldous and Sarah Marshall. And so Peter, or I forget, yeah, Peter invites them to sit with them. And Sarah at this point just wants to get closer to Peter. She's having second thoughts, wants to see him again. She says, yes. And then hilarity ensues, and they have this awesome. Uh, double date at dinner there's this one part in which like they're all kind of making fun of sarah and the bad movie that she was in where like cell phones are killing people (laughs) and i thought that that was really funny um even though like it is kind of sad that they're all making fun of her i thought that it was pretty funny like they were kind of all on the same side well, this is the scene where, where where Sarah loses me because it's like Rachel is like at the beginning of that dinner and the beginning of that conversation is being nice to her mm-hmm. and is saying like, no, I get it. You know, it was the right move for your career at the time. You know, I see. I see you're making a societal commentary. Like Rachel's just being mm-hmm. like nice to her while the men pick on her. Right. <laughs> and then later in the dinner, Sarah turns on Rachel and makes a bunch of comments about people who live in Hawaii or running away from their problems and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And that's why I was like, Rachel was just so nice to you. What are you doing, Sarah? Stop I know. that. Yeah, I didn't like that. I felt like Sarah was um, was not being a homie. Um, so we begin to see some trouble in paradise for Aldous and Sarah. She tries to get back with Peter. And this is when she gives him the talk, like this speech about how he didn't try and how she was tired of just like watching him not try saying that there was one week where you wore sweatpants every day which we can now all relate to so that doesn't age well (laughs) and they like almost hook up and peter tells rachel and rachel is pissed and yeah and like i get it I get why she was pissed. I get why he was like, oh no, but like it's over and like nothing really happened. And when he's like, when he's describing what happened, it's it's so funny. He's like trying to make it like as, um, like scientific, scientific (laughs) and like in medical terms as possible, which is very funny. And that leads to Peter going home and he kind of, there's like this glow up montage where he like finishes his rock opera and Rachel comes to visit and they reunite. Like she sees his rock opera. And like, even though he does get the girl in the end, it wasn't just a love story. It was really about him coming into himself, discovering himself, finding this person who supports him for who he is. So I really liked that, but I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that happens like in between that, but that's kind of how, how it wraps up is they have Sarah Mm -hmm. and Peter have this 
near get back together moment where Peter's not really into it, but she is, she's kind of trying to like convince him that they need to be together again because she's upset that Aldous was cheating on her. Then Peter has second thoughts and kind of like comes to his senses and is like, oh, wait, this is not what I want. In this scene of scenes that that we just went over, can I hit you with a did this age well question? I would love for you to ask me that did that age well question. I ask because I'm truly conflicted. You know, the scene where Sarah and Peter are having one of their heart to hearts Mm -hmm. after the Coral Reef incident. And as you said, Sarah sort of gives him the rundown of like, I did try for you. You pushed me away, you know, that sort of thing. On the one hand... I think everyone can appreciate sort of the call to action, call to personal growth piece of it of like, you know, I need to be better. On the other hand, it's, you know, sort of putting on Peter, like the you caused me to cheat sort of theme. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know where on that line that scene falls. Uh, You know, I felt like they really could have fleshed out some of the relationship problems that they were having a little Mm. bit more because this is really the first time that we find out that he was maybe like not trying in their relationship. Like it kind of came as a shock to me. I was like, Oh, you were like miserable in that relationship because you felt like he wasn't trying. Like you felt like he was just like sitting on the couch all the time and all this stuff. Like, it should have been more developed earlier in the movie. Like, okay, have have you watched Insecure? Do you watch Insecure? No. (laughs) Okay. Well, for our listeners, it's very similar to the couple in that show. Like this couple is going through a breakup because one of them is sort of just like kind of dragging his feet. He's like, I'm going to start a business. I'm working on my business plan, but he's been like working on the business plan for like four years. And She does end up cheating on him, but I think that it's presented in a really interesting way where we're able to kind of see where like both of these partners are coming from. And like, of course, like he finds out and they break up and it's like a really bad breakup. But since sorry if I just spoiled it for some of you, but whatever. (laughs) But even though like, I don't think that. I'm talking about insecure now. It wasn't written in a way for us to feel like, oh, she should have cheated on him. Like he's a piece of shit. He doesn't try. It's just more complicated than that. We're like, oh yeah, he wasn't really like fitting her needs, but she still was in the wrong by doing that. But it was more, I think that like I had more empathy for that character because we had been brought along for this journey of him just like kind of being a blob. And I know that we have limited time in this movie, but I think that we could have even had just like a couple of little flashbacks similar to what they did with like their good times. I think that they could have had little flashbacks to like the bad times where he like just wouldn't get up or like he wouldn't, she would be like trying to be vulnerable and he wouldn't listen or something like that. Um, I just have a really hard time believing like when she tells him that she went to seminars and did all this stuff and read a bunch of books. I'm like, well, it's weird that you would do all that stuff and not tell your partner you're doing all that stuff. Yeah. Like if you to were go to really therapy, go to seminars to do that yeah. and not share that. Yeah. I just, I don't understand. I'm like, were you yeah. trying? Because it sounds like you were doing all that stuff on your own and you weren't, then like your partner was not a part of it at all. 
So yeah, if we were really overanalyzing this comedy, we could say like, well, maybe she did like a lot of that stuff to like justify it in her head of mm, like, well, I tried. I didn't right. tell you about any of this, but I was trying. You exactly. Know? But but for me, and I think I was picking up on some of these themes from your explanation of a show that I know nothing about. But <laughs> I think, you know, for me, the line is sort of like, I don't know. You're going to get a lot of Carson personal ethics in, in mm-hmm. this, but like, I don't think anyone owes you anything, you know? And if like yeah. who you are is lazy and incompetent or unmotivated or whatever, and that's unattractive, you know, then then that person could decide to leave you and that's fine. Yes. But the idea that like you being who you are caused someone else to like cheat on you or wrong you in some way, that and that's where I think, well, that's probably never okay to put on anyone regardless of what they were doing. You know, it's like- totally. She's an adult. She should have broken up with him way sooner. That's right. what I think. Right. And that's why I think this scene in this movie sort of walks a fun line between sort of his fault, sort of her fault. They're all flawed. He's a mess. Right. You know, she didn't treat him well. You know, what, where, where exactly does it fall on? It just makes it fun and makes yeah. it fun me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Okay. What else do we need to talk about regarding the kind of the end of the movie any scenes or anything specifically that we need to call attention to before I have a couple there's a couple of things that I wrote down that just kind of like in general didn't age well but I want to make sure that like as we're kind of like talking through some of these points in the movie that we that we get them I think the Dracula musical aged very well I'm surprised that it's not a 10-part Netflix rock opera now uh, that Jason they paid Jason Siegel to write yes um And besides that, uh, I'll let you hit me with your thoughts. Okay. So yes, love the rock opera. Love that. (laughs) Love just like the stupid humor of Peter being naked again when at the end of the movie, just full frontal when Rachel finds him in the dressing room after the rock opera. I thought that that was very funny. It reminded us that like this is a comedy and this is like a silly comedy. It was a great way to, to tie a bow on it. I agree. And, and by it, I mean the movie, not the not, penis. Not there, was no, <laughs> there was no penis. There was no bow on there. Exactly. Would have been funny if it was, though. Uh, but it wouldn't have had the same element of surprise. So a couple things, a couple things that I want to talk about that didn't age well. So first, after Rachel and Peter get in a fight because Peter kind of almost hooked up with Sarah again, one of Rachel's friends, another guy who works at the hotel, I think it was the bartender, he said regarding Peter, this guy is like Gandhi, but better because he refused a blowjob mid blowjob. And I felt like, first of all, no, he's not like Gandhi, but better. And also, okay, if we're really getting down to it, like he wasn't even that into it. He wasn't into what was happening. I felt like... It was just, just so not, it didn't add up for me. Is this, this is a didn't age well for you? That for me didn't age well. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was pretty hilarious. I thought it was funny. I don't know. I, it, doesn't that play into like the, the, the myth of Gandhi? I, I think this is an untrue story about him. I'm not sure if it was a true story where he like laid with people and like would like prove his chastity by like, you know, like just like laying in bed all night and not doing anything. 
I think that's part of like the myth of Gandhi. That's not that's not a true story, but that's like like it's like part of the like yeah yeah those stories about him. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, don't know if that maybe maybe that aged well and is no longer uh, uh, culturally appropriate, but yeah. um, we'll we'll put that in show notes too. Yeah. <laughs> The reason why I think that this part didn't age well, well, first, just because a couple, like, just thinking about it logistically, like, it wasn't mid-blowjob, okay? It was, like, it was, like, five seconds. And also, um... He doesn't get credit for cutting it off and saying, no, you know, like, I'm not into this. Let's stop. He wasn't into it anyway. That's what I think. He wasn't really that into it anyway. And also, I think that there's just, okay, sorry, sorry in advance. There would have been more credit had there been some passion involved in it, and then he had to cut it off. Like, so you, yeah. you're saying because he was never into it, he doesn't get any credit for stopping his like would be affair with his ex girlfriend. That is only part of it. It is a part, but it's not the main part. The main part that frustrates me, and the main part that doesn't age well, is just I think that this relentless myth of blue balls and how like every woman, if she or any person, if they're like hooking up with a guy mm-hmm. and they don't want to be into it anymore, it's like mm-hmm. he's going to be tortured and he will never be okay again if he stops mid sexual encounter. It's just like, okay, fucking get over it. You're going to be fine. That's what I think. Well said. Definitely uh, part of, definitely perpetuating that cultural narrative of like, gotta keep going. Yeah, like you gotta (laughs) finish what you start (laughs) sort of uh, thing. Yeah. yeah. And how if, if he doesn't, that makes him like a hero. And so I was like, okay, he's not, he's not a hero. He just was like, but you don't give, you know, they're all friends. And this guy on the island, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just yeah. arguing for this sure, as, sure, a, sure. as a, you know, plot point and or yeah. like yeah. part of people's characters in the movie. Like, come on, we're all pulling for Peter at this point. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to get Rachel back psyched up again. Be like, come on, girl. Like, he said, no, I realized his mistake like 10 seconds into it and came back for you. And then he left you alone like you asked for. Like, give him another chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? It's combined with the joke that aged well for me (laughs) yeah and I mean honestly like I did feel for Peter where when like she was really upset that he did kind of hook up with Sarah but they like didn't really I was kind of like okay would I be mad in that situation if I was Rachel yes but also I feel like yeah like he did walk away he didn't want it anymore and he's like okay now I'm over it and yeah. now I'm ready to move on. Like, I didn't think like, oh, Peter, he's such a piece of shit because he yeah. kissed Sarah Marshall. The movie definitely gives those vibes. But then you take a step back mm-hmm. and you're like, he's known Rachel for like 48 hours. Literally. <laughs> then, like, he doesn't even know her. <laughs> right. He doesn't know her. <laughs> and so like, like, I would definitely have the same reaction of like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of mad at you. But that's not, I feel like that's not the reaction we should have. We should be like honored that that person came back for us after like turning down their like partner of many, many years. (laughs) Yes, totally. For someone who lives in a totally different place who you've known for a couple of days. Yeah, I totally agree. Took Um, one very sexually charged hike, but that's that's about it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Okay, and then also there's a scene early in the movie where Peter goes to brunch and there are Japanese people taking pictures with forks and knives 
I don't know. It felt like, oh, ha ha. Look at these people who don't know how to hold forks and knives because they don't use yeah. them. LOL. Well, and they're Japanese. So they're taking pictures. Like, I just felt like it was this unnecessary racist uh, bullshit. That part was definitely racist. I, to, to me, it, I, it came across as like the the Asian tourist stereotype. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. That's what they are playing off of. Um, yeah. And they they made the racism with the film. It, like there was no commentary or dialogue about it. It was just like a couple scenes of like, no one says anything. They just show it and they show Peter like reacting to it, sort of laughing at it or scoffing at it. And it was like, right. oh, come on. Those yeah. guys, this is a long movie already. Can't we just get rid of those scenes? Like, yeah, so it really it didn't add anything. It wasn't relevant to anything. So yeah, yeah. And then there was a fedora that didn't age well. I don't remember where that was, but in didn't age well, I wrote down fedora. <laughs> That's important to note. We'll have to we'll have to go back and get a timestamp directly for that. We can patch yeah. it in. Uh, I also think I don't now don't take this the wrong way, Molly. I'm not meaning to say that your current style is not aging well because sure. for all the listeners that can't see you, you're wearing corded earbuds. But I <laughs> laughed at that with Russell Brand uh, in the film because as he's getting ready to leave the hotel, he's got um, AirPod or earbuds, excuse me, dangling out of his shirt. I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I remember when I used to do that in high school. Oh like, my god, so I haven't had cords on my my headphones in years, but yeah, that used to be a thing. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it does age well. Maybe we're nostalgic for it, but it is just something I noticed. Yeah, that was funny. I forgot about that. And also, I mean, there are a lot of things like style wise that are very outdated, but I think the fedora was what really got me, what really took me out of this era (laughs) and reminded me that we were in a different time period. Overall, I think that there's a lot that aged well. The humor ages really well, especially like that contrast between this happy place and him crying all the time. And like I told you before, this is my favorite of like this genre of movies. So it's a romantic comedy, Molly, exactly. romantic comedy of a bromantic comedy. My favorite Apatow movie for sure. And something that I'm not embarrassed to say that I really like it. Yes. Love, love that. Same, <laughs> same here. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else that you feel like didn't age well or did age well that you want to talk about? No, I think we've hit, you know, throughout the course of the film, all my notes. I have like something stuck in my throat. <coughs> okay. I hope you forget to edit this and also this all just stays it. But that's I'll the, keep, the... you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it in. <laughs> Maybe just, you know, lower the volume on your grunts. You know, that's... Uh, we're going to do this Joe Rogan style, totally unedited. We're going to be here for four hours. <laughs> oh, man, you really didn't give me an apt description of what this podcast was like. I didn't know we were going for a Rogan style vibe, so I would have. <laughs> <laughs> really would have. I'm not sure I would have said yes. <laughs> really would have brought a different kind of personality to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would have become a totally different person for this if that would have been the case. What do you mean that didn't age well? Everything aged great. Everything ages well. It's perfect. Get over it. You know what I think. Let me tell you what I think. I think if you think that didn't age well, you can watch a different movie. There's lots of movies to see. Go see a movie that suits your sensibilities better. I'm Joe Rogan. Go watch a documentary about feminism or some shit. (laughs) 
Oh, Joe Rogan will not age well. Anyways, I don't think so. sorry, uh, he's an enemy of the pod. <laughs> Almost movie that. trivia is a game. <laughs> Almost movie trivia is a game where uh, we come up with some questions that are loosely inspired by something in the movie. And Carson, for you today, I have a few questions about celebrity breakups as Sarah Marshall was famous and it's about a breakup. See, so I had listened to an episode or two in preparation for this Uh and I did a really poor job. I was trying to guess the game and I thought you were going to make it like How I Met Your Mother based or something, which I would have crushed. (laughs) I'm so ready for How I Met Your Mother trivia. I'm going to be terrible at this. I'm sure it'll be funny. You'll be fine. Let's rock it. You'll be fine. Also, I know nothing about how I met your mother. So you have that and I don't. So good job. She dies. The, the mother dies. That's- wow. <laughs> <laughs> Both of us have now, now we've spoiled Insecure, How I Met Your Mother. Of course, this movie, but you knew that was coming. Have we spoiled anything else? Let's see if we can by the end of this. Okay. Sure, sure. First question for you. One of Taylor Swift's exes broke up with her in a 27-second phone call, which inspired her song Forever and Always. Which ex was this? Was it A, Taylor Lautner, B, Joe Jonas, or C, John Mayer? Okay, so I know it's not John Mayer because she has that Dear John song. That is about John Mayer. Good job. Um, uh, process of elimination. I'm not a Swifty, love Taylor Swift, but I don't think I qualify as a Swifty. So this is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, I feel like Taylor Lautner had a different song about him, but I'm also don't remember her dating Joe Jonas. I'm like, is that the one who married the Game of Thrones woman? Is that, that Nick Jonas? I don't uh... remember. I'm picking, I'm picking, this is probably infuriating for the listeners. Just imagine everyone in their cars going, you don't know anything about pop culture. <laughs> Put me on the podcast. Um, I'm going to say Joe Jonas. Ding, ding, ding. It was about Joe Jonas. Good job. 27 second phone call. Isn't that cold? I think phone calls in general, depending on the length of the relationship, don't recommend. Wouldn't you know? recommend. Would not recommend. Maybe, maybe a nice Zoom call with the Hawaiian background. Yeah, definitely. Well, I would lady. agree. Couldn't agree more. You know what I think is actually maybe that you should wait at your house naked for them to come and break up with you. Yeah, exactly. What what Jason Siegel does in this movie is the reverse of a plot line on How I Met Your Mother called The Naked Man. Really? Um, yeah. And I won't further spoil it for you, but it involves nudity. If you couldn't guess from the name. There's so, nudity. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, Definitely the best way. Yeah, that's definitely the best way to end a relationship for sure. I think we saw that from this movie. Definitely. If you walk away with anything, just remember that. Okay, I have a second question for you. Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner finalized their divorce in 2018. What was one of the main reasons that they broke up? A, Ben Affleck cheated on her with their nanny. B, Jennifer Garner cheated on him with her agent's brother. Or C, Jennifer Garner came out as bisexual and Ben was not cool with that. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's the first one, the nanny one. Ding, ding, ding. That's correct. Okay. Number three, Heidi Klum and Seal broke up in 2012, but how did they meet? A, through a mutual friend, B, by chance in a hotel lobby in New York, or C, at Paris Fashion Week. Okay. Who, who are these people again? 
Heidi Klum, the supermodel, and, and Seal, the guy who's a singer who sings Kissed by a Rose. He's like from, a from Seal Team Six. Is that Seal? Seal. Oh. Okay. I would I'm gonna say uh uh they met at Paris Fashion Week. Uh, oh. no. They met at a hotel lobby in New York. It was 2004, and they're just like, oh, you, you're famous, so am I. Number four, how long after they got engaged did Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson break up? Oh, it was like a matter of months. How many months, Carson? This kills me because I love Pete Davidson, but I also Mm -hmm. really like Ariana Grande's music. Have you seen his Netflix special where he talks about this? Yes, I have. Oh, my gosh can't recommend enough very funny yeah it is very um, funny i also say i found that it's one of the best things just to have on in the background at parties mm-hmm. is like a youtube playlist of just clips of pete davidson's funniest snl moments oh, just yeah. have that like up in the background for hours even if it starts repeating at some point that and old episodes of jeopardy and you will never have a lame party um oh. i've discovered the need for those after having a couple lane parties wow. but anyway shout out to cool go- parties thrown by Carson. Yeah. shout out we when we uh get to have those again at some point in the <laughs> distant distant future rip exactly. i'm gonna say three months that's my five final months answer. five months Ugh. you're close very close okay this is a similar type of question where you're gonna have to guess the duration number five how long did nick cannon and mariah carey date before they got married was it Six days, six weeks, six months, or six years? I'm guessing you asked the question because it's like surprisingly short. So I'm going to say weeks, six weeks. Ding, ding, ding. Wow. Carson, you did pretty well. I take that 60%. I'll take my D and go home with that. That's passing. It is passing. You you have graduated, did that age well podcast. (laughs) Congratulations. <laughs> I'm honored. Thank you. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a Zoom link to the virtual ceremony next weekend. Perfect. I love a long drawn out virtual ceremony. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's going to be lots of speakers, mostly me drowning on about my experience on the podcast. If this yeah. wasn't long enough already. Behind so. the scenes. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, I have one sort of like ultimate question for you. Yes, I, I would love to hear it. Who did you want Jason Siegel to end up with? Oh, I wanted him to end up with either himself or with Rachel. Mm. What mm. about you? Yeah, I definitely himself is a is a good answer. I don't think I don't think I really see it, and that's the beauty of the movie is you don't have to see beyond the two hour window and mm-hmm. beyond them getting back together again after his performance. Right. Like I don't think he and Rachel end up together. You know, I think they date for five or six months and then go their separate mm-hmm. ways and Rachel goes to college and you know like do their they do their own thing right um and I certainly don't want I don't think you can get over the the cheating aspect of it I don't think you should end up with with Sarah again but yeah. it's tough I mean I really like I really like Sarah Marshall as a character <laughs> wow that is so interesting yeah. that you like her as a character yeah. I and I like that about you I think that it shows that you have some heart me on the other hand a stone cold hearted person. I just could not stand her. I was ready for her to leave Hawaii. I was ready for her to get out. 
I thought she was sort of just sort of like the fun bossy bitch who knows who she is. And like in better times, like as in times when she's not dealing with an ex who's also on vacation with her, like in a world (laughs) outside of that world, I bet Sarah Marshall is so fun. And also how great a name is Sarah Marshall. It's great. It is. It is a really good name. And I think that forgetting Sarah Marshall is a perfect name for a movie. It really is iconic. Uh, Yeah, it's so great. Do you remember when they first started this? Like the previews and stuff for it, like the ad campaigns was just like, I hate Sarah Marshall. Yeah, I know. It was like pretty unexplained. Yeah, it was like so provocative and like, what is this going to mean? It was like, Sarah Marshall sucks. (laughs) Right, right. Sarah Marshall (laughs) is the worst. Like the website was very interactive. It told you all the things that was wrong with her. Okay, we have a new segment called Cancel or Callback where- I am going to present to you a few different trends from the late 90s and early 2000s, and we're going to decide together. We're going to talk about whether they should stay canceled, be canceled forever, or if we need to call them back if it's time to revisit this trend. Okay, so the well, first- I'm hearing for- fedoras from you was already canceled so fedoras <laughs> will stay canceled they are canceled forever will be canceled never Got coming it. back okay lava lamps cancel or call back um that's not one i feel like i need to call back you know i don't i'm not i wouldn't judge you too much if i saw one at your place of of living but uh no it's not something i'm calling back personally yeah i feel like I don't really have anything against lava lamps. I think they're fine. Mm-hmm. If I saw a lava lamp, like at a guy's house or something, actually, regardless of gender, if someone had a lava lamp, like unironically, I'd probably be like, um, what? But mm-hmm. if it was trendy again, I feel like I wouldn't really care. I could kind of take it or leave it. Okay. What about the phrase not like, hey, Carson, I hated doing this podcast with you. Not. <laughs> that's a weird i don't think you did it right you should have been mean about it and said like i did like doing the podcast with you not Not. (laughs) yeah um i think yeah i think we should definitely call that one back not Not. (laughs) no i think i regret doing that and uh, i'll leave that up to you whether to cut out that from the podcast i do not support bringing back not (laughs) I'm so glad that we agree. I think it's so, it is the worst feeling when you think someone's being genuine and then they follow it up with a not. I hate being deceived. (laughs) It's an insult to call it elementary because I felt like we were more clever in elementary school, you know? I agree. You know what I would prefer to bring back is if you love it so much, why don't you marry it? Oh, yeah, I could say that. I Yeah, I'd be down to bring that back in conversation. Okay, let's bring that back. Okay, call back. finally, call back. What about the Wii? Like the, the game, the video game? Wii. Oh, like the, the system, like with the nunchucks yeah. and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like going like this, like, you know, like when you're playing tennis, <laughs> like Wii tennis. I kind of like that. Yeah. yeah, I sort of miss, like, I feel like the Nintendo Switch now, you know, I'm an avid Switch user and player. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I miss the interactive pieces of it, of like playing Wii tennis and, mm-hmm. you know, hitting the virtual ball back and forth and stuff like that. Besides that, I'd have to say the, the Wii is probably like my least favorite console. I mean, mm-hmm. the games weren't very good. GameCube was better. Switch had better games. Like, yeah, there's parts of it I want to call back, but as a whole, probably fine staying canceled. Yeah. 
I feel like it was a, a good console for group games with like multi-generational group games. Like when you're mm-hmm. hanging out, it's Thanksgiving. You're like, hey, yeah. grandma, grandpa, little cousins, who wants to play Wii bowling? But in general, it's like the little humanoids have no limbs. That was very weird to me. They were just limbless ball of human. Not a lot of, not a lot of neck on there no neck that was very weird to me felt like we've come so far why are the little characters like this um and also there was of course the risk of throwing it through your tv which my grandpa did he did throw the wii remote through the tv (laughs) out out of anger or negligence no like like with his hand he was like playing wii tennis or something or like wii bowling and it just like he didn't have the like wrist secure thing on and just yeah flying into the tv so there's always that come on grandpa well. there's a strap for a reason you know yeah know. everyone thinks it's not for you until you break the tv <laughs> and, then it, and then it is <laughs> it was canceled oh my god yeah grandpa's canceled just kidding he's a friend of the pod so love you, love you grandpa sorry love you shout out well that's about all the time that we have Do you have anything that you want to plug? Any shout outs, social media handles, anything like that? Uh, Would love to. Thank you, Molly. Thank you for having me on and for letting me talk about one of my favorite films. Uh, Twitter handle at Carson Diddy, C-A-R-S-O-N Diddy. (laughs) Diddy like Diddy. (laughs) I would just like to uh, plug uh, my best friend's podcast. They are called The Boo Boys. They break down a different horror film every week. If you're not into horror, I still recommend because you can just listen to them talk about it and have fun instead of actually being scared. And if I may, the premise, I guess, is that Kyle, one of the one of the boo boys, hates horror films and Mm -hmm. they are just doing the podcast until he can finally say, like, I enjoyed that or I'm not scared anymore but I don't think it will ever end at this rate because he's just a little scaredy cat. So that's the Boo Boys podcast. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome. I love that concept. I will definitely be listening to that. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Man, we're going to have lengthy show notes. It's going to be long, yeah. Have me back on to discuss everything we find. There's actually going to be some interesting material in there. I'm I'm excited to go back and learn and educate myself. Yeah, same. Everyone get ready to do some reading. Carson, thanks again for joining me. This is so fun. So funny. Love this movie. Love getting to hang with you. It's really good to see your face since I haven't seen it in real life in a long time. Um, Oh, the weather outside is weather. (laughs) Thank you, Kunu, for that. Kunu! Yes. And with that, I think that's a perfect place to end. Follow us on social at Did That Age Well. Follow me at Molly Birdsmith. Send us your trends that you want to discuss. Send us uh, hate mail towards specific fictional characters. Send us your thoughts. Did that age well at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time. Bye, Carson. See ya.